last week there wasn't a podcast last week sorry um so I'm really busy and I've been (laughs) so in addition to working full-time um that's right comedy does not pay the bills full-time yet I do have a full-time day job and I do comedy and I'm taking a couple of classes right now so I am currently like super overwhelmed and there's not enough hours in the day to do everything. But I promise that the podcast will be back on track starting this week. So this week, um, it's just me, guys. There's no guest. Uh, Quite frankly, I'm tired of having guests all the time. Originally, when I started um, thinking about what this podcast should be, I wanted it to be a solo diary podcast a la Jen Kirkman, you know, JKL, um, just keep living. Uh, (laughs) and, um, you know, it hasn't really worked out that way entirely. Um, I'm still not sure if I'm going to change the format of the podcast. I'm definitely never going to, okay, here's the thing about podcasts for me. Like I really hate podcasts when they're super specific in their themes. I've talked about this before. Like if it's a podcast about, uh, leather sectionals, I'm I'm never going to listen to that. It's it's way too specific. I really just like talking. I just like when people talk and have a conversation. Or, you know, if it's a solo podcast, I just like hearing about someone's life. Okay? And if that's narcissistic, so be it. I, I don't care. Nothing matters anyway. The world is, uh, well, things aren't going well. I don't know if you're... Uh, paying attention to the news hopefully you are if you if you listen to this podcast I hope you're the type of person who pays attention to the news um I as you know the anonymous op-ed that appeared in the New York Times uh decrying Trump's administration you know that's what people are abuzz about I think Pence wrote it I'm not sure I don't know does it does anything matter does anything matter anymore um <laughs> so there's a few things I wanted to talk about today. Oh yeah, but um just to wrap up the discussion about the format of the podcast, I I I don't know, I want to do more diary episodes. Maybe I should just do more mini episodes and you know, maybe put like a couple up during the week. Uh part of the issue is that I am a one-woman operation here. I'm a busy businesswoman and I have no assistance here. I don't even have a boyfriend who I could, you know, force to edit my podcast in exchange for sexual favors or something. I wish I did. I really wish I did. Um no, I don't actually. I like being alone right now. 
So if, but if you do want to be my boyfriend, you have to bring certain things to the table. Like you have to bring audio editing skills. You know, you have to edit my podcast. You have to respond to emails for me. I guess I need a personal assistant, but I don't have any money to pay a personal assistant. So I need a boyfriend who will do all of these things for me, right? See, that's logical. I went to college. I have to take a sip of water. Sorry. So yeah, if you're out there, um, if you'd like to apply to be my boyfriend and send me, you can email me uh, a portfolio of your audio or video editing work. I mean, honestly, I prefer both. Um, And if, yeah, if your video editing is on point, like honestly, that's like a plus. And I could meet with you later this week uh, for an interview coffee. <laughs> so, yeah, please apply to be uh, my assistant. You can email uh, your video and audio uh, sample files to unrulypodcast at gmail.com. You also have to be, you know, prefer. it's a plus if you're a member of one of the big... Uh, entertainment guilds if you're in the wga i mean god love you i mean please please take me on a date that's why i decided it is i can't date a guy unless he's in the wga the dga or sag you know like he there has to be some level of achievement in his life if he's in entertainment you know i just can't keep no more open micers. I can't date open micers anymore. My last boyfriend was an open micer and he was so jealous of me. It was it was so sad. Like he was just always like, you know, jealous and like accusing me of like, I don't know, like trying to like sabotage his career, which didn't exist. And that's fine. You know, that's fine. I just don't want to be in a relationship again where somebody resents me i'm i'm just like totally over that um so because i didn't put out an episode last week um i mean one of the big topics of conversation in the comedy world was of course the uh the return of louis ck to stand-up comedy and i i've been kind of vocal about this on facebook and twitter um Quite honestly, I think he, oh my God, like, honestly, he needs to shut the fuck up and just be in therapy because he's so obviously, I don't think he has any real grasp on the, on the impact of what he did. I think he's really narcissistic. Um, I think the apology that he issued, which I talked about months ago when he issued it, um, I thought the apology he issued was bullshit and, you know, he kept saying, me, I, I'm so admired, blah, blah, blah. I took advantage of people, you know, because I w- was admired so much. It's like, shut the fuck up. Okay, just shut the fuck up. Like this guy, you know, when people get famous, and God knows, I would love to know what this feels like. When people get famous and successful, people are just constantly telling you yes all the time. And he's been successful for for quite a while. So people have been telling him yes for such a long time that he doesn't know what it's like to be told no. He doesn't know what it's like to be held back from certain things. 
Okay. Instead, he thinks he's entitled to just unzip his pants and take out his dick that nobody wants to see in a business meeting or what the fuck have you. And he's fucking wrong. What he did was wrong. Do I think that he should never do stand up again? No, I'm not saying that. But I think the time that he tried to do stand up again right now is wrong because he didn't even own what he did. He didn't even really, he didn't apologize for it in any meaningful manner. Um, I think he's just extremely narcissistic and, and selfish and all he cares about is himself. Typical. Typical for somebody who does something like that. You know, what can we do? So Louis C.K. And I, I just want to say, Louis C.K. is, I mean, he's one of my main inspirations in comedy. He's one of the reasons why I do stand-up comedy. He's probably my biggest influence. Um, hold on. So, you know, take it from a woman who really admires his work and thinks he is extremely um funny and talented he just needs to go away for a while you know and maybe think about what he did go to therapy get some sort of treatment for narcissistic personality disorder because to me that's clearly what's going on there what this is what this is that we're living in is this culture of narcissism and it's just been See, in this country, we worship money and power, and that's how I feel our society has started to create these, you know, these monsters who not only take advantage of women, but of of poor people and people who are of lower social status than them. And it's all because we allow them to get away with it. We... We worship the rich and powerful. That's what we care about in this country. Like when Elon Musk, (laughs) Elon Musk went on Joe Rogan this week. Another big story. Okay. People got mad because he like took one lame ass drag off of a blunt. But the thing is, so I was reading in the comments and people were saying like, oh my God, he's such a genius he's so amazing blah blah blah. and i don't really understand these comments because he doesn't really his companies don't really make money he's basically just like selling these hypothetical ideas of things that could work um like for example like a tunnel that he's building under the city of los angeles that is supposed to help reduce traffic like people are going to like drive through a a tunnel i don't even understand how the city of los angeles allowed him to do that because he's just fooling people like a magician basically you know like all of these people they're they're extremely you know they could be charming when i was watching him on joe rogan i was like oh i totally understand why Amber Heard was attracted to him. <laughs> I totally get it. Like, he's not unattractive. Like, I I understand that now. And he has an interesting accent. He's from South Africa. Um, so I totally, like, get the pull there. But the thing about people like Elon Musk or 
um let's see jeff bezos um you know these guys who are just like so fucking rich you know and we just like let them get away with anything i mean like elon musk he was supposed to deliver you know a more affordable tesla model that has never surfaced and people are mad about that jeff bezos is now the richest man in modern history uh via amazon and he's using you know people people are working i don't know if you've ever read like any of these expose articles about you know what it's like to work in an amazon warehouse but it sounds pretty unpleasant (laughs) there was an article circulating where it said that people who work in a fulfillment warehouse they like pee in water bottles so that they don't get in trouble for going to the bathroom too long I mean, that's the world we live in. We live in a world where we allow people in positions of power and with lots of wealth to get away with anything. And it's it's actually pretty disgusting. And I don't know about you, but I was raised... My father... See, I was raised in a household where I was taught to question authority. And my father, he always questioned authority... Um, he, he was a little touched. He did believe in some conspiracy stuff, but he always taught me like people who are in these positions of power or are rich, they're not shit. Okay. And most of America treats this idea of being rich or being powerful as the ultimate, as uh, that it's supposed to be the most fulfilling thing to be rich and powerful when i've learned in my life even at this young age of uh, 31 years old that it's more valuable to be rich intellectually and spiritually i feel that the most valuable thing i have in my possession is my mind you know i'm intelligent i'm a great writer i'm funny i can hold a conversation my parents you know, saw to it that I received a great education. Um, They, you know, they had me reading from a young age. My mom said I started reading by looking at um, like old catalogs, like Sears catalogs. And I would just like, you know, it would have like the words of the description of the item. And I figured out how to read that way. Um, And I've been reading ever since. And I feel like that's the most valuable thing about me and can be the most valuable thing about a lot of people. But in this country, it seems that we, there's the, well, there's of course like an anti-intellectual backlash that's been happening for a long time now. And now it's like, it's like cool to be stupid. It's cool to not read you know everybody's you know just playing video games we're basically just like living in this world where the poor and the middle class and the middle class is shrinking obviously where you know people are getting more poor they're in these positions where they can't move forward there's less upward mobility and they're just bending to the will of these rich and powerful people I hope this makes sense. It makes sense to me right now. Even though I'm tired. It's midnight. I'm still thirsty. Hold on. Yeah. So in this culture, 
you know, we're taught that we're only successful if we're rich, that the powerful are the most important people on our society, you know, that we should worship celebrities, which is all, this is all like sad stuff. It's so sad to me um, that this is the world we live in. But, you know, that's reality right now. I mean, I think most of my peers are uh, not like this, you know, especially my peers in comedy. I think when people are more interested in the arts, they're not really... Most people who were involved in the arts are, don't care for money or power, you know, in the, in these ways. Um, so yeah, I think like these power structures that keep us in these, um, lower positions, that's what, that's what we need to be fighting against. And, and going back to, you know, Trump and the anonymous op-ed, that person who wrote that op-ed, they are, in a way, fighting against a power structure. And, you know, God bless them. I hope I hope it works out. But, God, this world is so fucking sick. Uh, <laughs> it really is. And we're all so distracted by everything. Like, there's so many television shows. Like, there's so many television shows now. I have no idea where to start, what to watch. Um, people are just like buried in television and, but I did watch, uh, the first season of succession, uh, which is on HBO and it's about this family, the Roy family. And they're basically, uh, a family that controls, um, a large media company and their father, well, there's like five kids or four kids. But uh, their father, his name's Logan Roy, and he's played by um, Brian Cox. And, oh, yeah. So the company's called Waystar Royco. Okay. And so, okay. So here's what Wikipedia says. Um, Succession is an American drama television series created by Jesse Armstrong that premiered on HBO on June 3rd. The story centers on the fictional Roy family, the dysfunctional owners of a global media empire who are fighting for control of the company amidst uncertainty about the health of the family's patriarch, Logan Roy. Okay, so his kids, um, so there's um, the kid who is expected to run the company. If something happens to Logan, his name is Kendall Roy, and he's played by Jeremy Strong, who was in... Uh, the big short okay and that well the link to um, succession is that adam mckay i think is a producer on succession let me just check where is it you a bug is like flying around me um yeah adam mckay is an executive producer so was will ferrell and there is a humorous tone to the show even though the subject is kind of heavy um so i would recommend it for that um okay and then there's kieran culkin who plays roman roy and roman is like the like trashy brother who like has a coke problem and you know he's always like partying and like fucking a ton of women and then there's um shiv and she's played by sarah snook who i've never seen before and she's the daughter of Logan. 
and she's engaged to this guy named uh tom who is just like a total wimp and um then the oldest son who's from a different marriage he's played by alan ruck who we all know as cameron from ferris bueller's day off um so the show's pretty good i i do think that um both jeremy strong and kieran culkin are like total babes so it's like well i mean if you're a woman or a man who is interested in men you'll (laughs) you'll think that they're babes so fyi uh that's part of why i liked it but yeah i i finished it last night i thought it was pretty good so yeah let me know what you think tweet at me or tell me in person if i know you personally because if you're listening to this you may know me personally my friends listen to my podcast uh, <laughs> not to brag uh, what else to talk about oh yeah so i um i went to a birthday dinner party for my pilates instructor <laughs> Is there is there anything more Los Angeles I could have said than that sentence? Um, I think that's... There's no hope for me. I am pure Los Angeles just by saying that sentence. Um, but yeah, I went to this um, birthday dinner. And there were not a, a lot of nice people there. Okay, but there, you know, there was somebody there. But... Um, Okay, so I was introduced as a comedian, and that's fine. I get it. You're supposed to, like, say something interesting about a guest to open up conversation with other guests. Uh, But there was a guy at the party who was telling me that he just started doing open mics two weeks ago. And, you know, I was like, well, Godspeed to you. And honestly, I was going to leave it at that. Because, quite honestly, not to brag, no shade, I, you know, I am kind of, I'm beyond the point where I need to be doing open mics every day. When you first start out, and this is for those of you who are curious about how stand-up comedy truly works, you have to be out doing open mics every night. And I was out there every night doing mics when I first started, okay? About five years ago. Pretty good amount of time now. Um, But I would be out there, you know, doing mics, maybe like, you know, two mics a night. When you're young, you could do this. I I, I honestly feel like starting stand-up when you're older is so much more difficult because, you know, it's science. I mean, you're older and you're tired. I'm 31 and I and I'm I still have like a ton of energy. I still am able to get so many things done in a day, but you know, as you get older, you do need to rest more. Um I do obviously I I practice TM, so that does help me um you know, function better. TM is much more restful than actual sleep. So, if you're if you're interested in meditation, I would definitely research tm and see if it's for you because i love it um but the thing about starting out comedy is you have to be out there every night like pounding the pavement it's and it's hard um and this guy like he made this comment he was like you know i just i'm just not sure if the comedian lifestyle is for me and it's like what does that even mean um so i asked was like what do you mean by that (laughs) you know in my friendly voice 
And he was telling me, he was like, well, you know, you have to be out there every night. I'm like, yeah, you have to be out there every night. Otherwise, nobody is going to know who the hell you are. Especially in a city like Los Angeles, where there's thousands of comedians. Thousands of comedians. You heard right, folks. And there's multiple comedy scenes here. There's probably like six different comedy scenes. Well, I'll I'll say one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, I'd say at least six. At least six different scenes of of comedy that, and some people like overlap in multiple scenes. I would say I overlap in probably three of those scenes, sometimes four because I'm counting the valley as a scene. Um, I'm count so I'm saying the valley, the uh, the west side, the valley, the west side, uh, Hollywood comedy. Uh, the East Side alt scene, and then I would say like um South LA, like you know like Inglewood, um places like oh um El Segundo, like the South Bay. Those are that's like a whole other scene. Um, and then there's like you know the Black Club circuit, which I would say is a whole other scene. Yeah, so that's like six. Yeah, I'm I would say I'm probably no, I'm like in four of them. Yeah, I overlap in probably four of them. Um, you know, I have friends in all of them, but you know, I try to as much as I can make appearances in these multiple scenes because you can't just be in one and establish yourself in Los Angeles. And it's and starting comedy in LA is so difficult i i mean any comic will tell you that it's a terrible idea um a lot of comics start in other cities and then move to la but i moved to la before i did stand up so for me like i kind of i had to start here and i'm okay with that because i actually feel like i've made really good progress here um the thing is, is you just have to, you can't go to these, these A-level open mics when you're first starting. And this guy was telling me that he was like, oh, I went to the, uh, the comedy store open mic the other night. Uh, I just want to be like, well, don't go to that. Don't go to that. Because here's the thing. If you go to an A-level and we're calling like, let's say the comedy store. That would be an A-level open mic. Like the potluck, you have to bring your A-game and your A-material when you're on that mic. Or like lab work at the improv, you have to bring do A-material. So when you're first starting out, you don't have A-material. Okay, you have almost nothing. And quite honestly, you should just be going to the worst rooms in all of Los Angeles and you have to be cobbling together the beginnings of what you're going to say on stage. I mean, you should, honestly, one of the things you should be thinking about when you're first starting is just like basic shit, like technique, like moving a mic stand or like figuring, figuring out how to hold a microphone. I, I'm the chin method lady, so I put it right on my chin, which most people hate, but 
I don't know. I do fine. And then this guy, this is, this is the kicker. He tells me that he was hanging out with Chris D'Elia. Chris D'Elia. He was like, yeah, I was uh, hanging out with Chris D'Elia. I was like, you just told me that you just started doing open mics two weeks ago. Like, which is it? So do you hang out with Chris D'Elia or are you doing open mics? Because you're not doing open mics if you're hanging out with Chris D'Elia. And then he also told me that his favorite female comedian is Eliza. You know how I feel about Eliza, okay? She says things that are backward and don't help women. You know, she's said rude things about other female comedians on Twitter or wherever else she has said them. And and he's like, oh, but she's so successful. I'm like, so you think you have to be, what, because she's rich? You know, that's why you admire it. Again, going back to exactly what I was talking about before. He just thinks she's good because she's like freaking rich and successful fine whatever you know be bah bah <laughs> that's a sheep yeah i god it's so it's so sad um yeah i i i hope things work out for him also you know you maybe he is right maybe it's he's not cut out for the world of comedy because he's gonna be tired I'm tired right now recording this podcast. I don't have a boyfriend to edit this thing for me. I'm ashamed. I have failed as a woman because no man will be editing my podcast tonight. I will be editing my own podcast, which is fine. Whatever. I can do it. You can do it. So Godspeed. If you just started doing open mics, please don't tell me. I don't want to hear about it. I'm busy. I'm like trying to get booked on like big shows. You know, I've done a lot of respected shows. I'm currently setting up dates in New York, you know, to do some shows out there. I'm not, you know, just starting out here. So please just like keep it to yourself when you just start doing a mic, guys. It's hard. I know it's hard, but you just, just keep going and like, I don't know, keep your head down. Cause I think people make a mistake when they go to a rooms and, you know, show up not ready. And then people notice that. I remember one of the first times I went to the comedy store, somebody like straight up told me that I sucked. And I, you know, I took that seriously. I did. I took that very seriously and I didn't go back there for at least a year. So anyway, that's it for comedy. Um, another announcement I have. Um, my celibacy uh, continues. I am celibate. Um, and I hate saying this, but yeah, I kind of am involuntarily celibate <laughs> in a way. I mean, I get plenty of men hitting on me. I get plenty of offers, you know. But I'm just not interested in these guys who were offering whatever to me. Um I, I'm just tired of guys treating me badly. Um, and the last few experiences I had with with men didn't end well. And I just felt that, you know, I was being disrespected, that my feelings were being disrespected. And quite honestly, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of difficult 
to have sex with me at the moment. (laughs) And that's fine. Like, honestly, I feel empowered by this action I'm taking to purposely withhold sex from men. I mean, trust me, there are guys messaging me, you know, guys ask me out. I mean, just tonight, on the way to a show I was doing, a guy, you know, hollered out his window and asked for my phone number. I was like, no, I don't want your phone number. And like, this is going to sound so awful, but he was driving like, see, here's how you know I live in LA and that I'm totally LA and there's no point of return now. But he was driving like probably like a 1995 Honda Accord, which is fine. It's a reliable vehicle, but you know, we were in, we were in a, like a wealthier area. We were at uh, Melrose and Fairfax around that area. Which is, you know, Mercedes country, Lexus land, if you will. And quite honestly, I don't know what his deal is, but like, I don't want to date any guy who thinks it's cool to just like, you know, stick his head out a window and be like, uh, you look beautiful tonight. Can I have your phone number? It's like, what are you, who are you and why are you doing this to me? You know, I've been around the block, okay? I'm 31 years old. (laughs) It sounds a lot younger when you say it out loud. Because, like, in your head all day, you're like, oh my god, I'm 31. And you think, like, how fucking old you are. 31's actually pretty young when you think about it. People are living to be, like, you know, 100, 110. (laughs) Which is crazy. I, I don't know if I could imagine being 110 years old. That would that would mean let's see what's 110 minus 31. So that's what 70 79. I would have to do this 79 more years. Jesus. That's insane. That is anybody who wants to live to be 110 years old is mentally ill. Why would you want that? Anyway, I'm just at the point where um my standards for men have gone up and I apologize for any man who, you know, may want to hook up with me, but doesn't meet the qualifications. Um, I do prefer somebody who is in the writer's guild. Um, as I've said, uh, if you're in the WGA, you can, you can be in me. Okay. That's it. It's that simple. Just get in the writer's guild (laughs) and you can have sex with me. The stakes have been raised, okay? I'm just tired. I just don't want to be dating, like I said, no no more open micers. No more men who just, like, are going to resent me because I try. I try so hard in life. I really do. I work hard on my actual work. I work hard in comedy, And everything else I do, I do have this, you know, passion about certain things. And I want other people to have that too. Is that too much to ask? Is it? I don't know. I'm kind of drifting off. Um, I think the next show I'm going to watch is probably... uh, Oh, well, I have watched... I watched season one of Goliath on Amazon. And I'm truly annoyed because... Some of the the legal terminology they used, it could be streamlined better. Like, whoever is advising them on legal terminology on the show Goliath is wrong. 
and I should be advising them on how to use proper legal jargon. So whoever works on Goliath and is hiring for that position, please call me because I can do it. Yeah. I guess that's pretty much it for today. Um, Isaac Simpson is going to be on the podcast next week. He's a cutie. Um, he's the, uh, of course, the co-host of uh, Not a Huge Fan alongside close personal friend Charles Disney. <laughs> So you'll you'll like Isaac. He's a nice guy. Um, I'll have some questions planned for him. And then I think I'm going to go to the format of um, having a guest one week and then me doing a solo episode every other week. So guest me, guest me, and then so on and so forth. You know, I think that'll make sense. Uh, so as far as shows I have coming up, um, I'll be at the, uh, I'm going to do a character at the Hollywood Hotel on Thursday. She's Eastern European. So check that out. Uh, Hollywood Hotel at, uh, eight o'clock on Thursday. It's September 13th. September 15th, I'll be on the, uh, Mock Your Job show created by, uh, Matthew Brandon Robinson. A.K.A. Comedian Matthew Robinson. <laughs> which is a funny character. And, oh, then something big coming up. I will be uh, roast bottling Zack Stein in the main event on Tuesday, September 18th at midnight. So watch that on Periscope if you can't make it in person, guys. Um, well, I guess that's it. Okay. Uh, I love you. Um Take care of yourselves. Bye.